Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Take Cast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. This episode of the show is, of course, a recap of episodes five and six of The Last Dance. This week, I am joined again by my buddy, Nate Noling, one-third of the Gil cast. Sammy Reed, not with us today. Peter Overzet, not with us today. Uh, not sure what we're doing for guests next week, but, of course, all of us are enjoying watching The Last Dance on ESPN on Sunday nights. Every week, we are doing the recap episodes I thought episode six in particular was probably the best episode that has uh, that has been done in the series yet as some of the gambling stories were great so dug into some of these stories with Nate Noling kind of recapped it chatted about it I uh, hope you guys enjoy it if you want to support the show you can subscribe to patreon.com slash takecast get some bonus episodes support the show you can also just leave a rating and review on iTunes that's very useful that's very helpful uh, or wherever you listen to podcasts now let's go ahead and get into the episode all right, everyone, welcoming Nate Noling into the show as we continue our recap of The Last Dance, episodes five and six. Had Peter Overzet on the show last week. Uh, he was still hungover from doing his uh, Periscope on Saturday night where him and Leone drank. Uh, I think they each had like three glasses of wine, you know, and that was just... That, that was too much. <laughs> that was <bro>. too much. <laughs> Peter told me his A wife... Bunch of text- olds. <laughs> Peter told me his wife texted him in the middle of it and said, you are so annoying, <laughs> which is... When you're when you're uh, when you're in your office streaming something for fantasy football, that's uh, that's exactly what you want to hear from your significant <laughs> other. Not not that uh, not that anyone has ever thought I've been annoying on a show or anything before. So, you know, no. it's uh, it's all good. So episodes five and six started off with the very heavy note of because I you know I was wondering when Kobe was going to come in, and they just they they led off episode five with dedicated to Kobe, and then they had him talking a little bit about his relationship with Michael. So that was, that was a heavy start. That was, yeah. uh, it was an interesting editorial decision to start off two hours of episodes with that, I thought. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit weird. Like, we couldn't even get into and hype and then, like, have it come in. So it actually did set a weird tone for the rest of the episode. Like, it took me a little bit. I was almost, like, coming down emotionally from all that of just, like, the, the Kobe stuff again before I could get into the show, which I thought was, was dumb, but, um, well, it, I thought it's what powerful. they would do. I thought that episode nine, I thought there would be 15 minutes on Kobe, right? I thought they would do Kobe and they, you know, cause they have more Kobe footage. I mean, clearly they shot a whole interview with him and they would just do 
a whole Kobe and Michael thing. Like it was only what, like five minutes maybe? That's what felt so weird is like you went to that well, which obviously is going to be an emotional, like emotional spigot, but then you only go there for five minutes and don't allow anybody to actually like process through the journey or anything. So it was, it was a bizarre choice. Like I'm surprised they didn't go there for longer if they were going to go there and why go there if you're not going to go there like they have to do more in Kobe, right? Episode nine or 10 has to. Yeah. I mean, and I, so we know that episode seven is going to be the retirement episode. And then, you know what? I don't even, I don't even know who the bulls played in the 98 playoffs other than the jazz. So I, there's, there's going to be a bunch of stuff in episodes eight and nine that I don't know about at all, but I know I wasn't watching the 1998 playoffs. I have no idea how, if, if the bulls faced any, you know, if it was just hard at all for them to even get to the finals or if they just steamrolled through. Yeah. And they also have to get into his dad's, his dad's passing. Yeah. As well, which was, which we are like chronologically right there after, because that was, yeah, it's going to be passing and then the retirement is coming up and that's going to be the next two episodes. A a majority of it, I think. So, uh, we and I mean it's weird they went straight from Kobe to the Jordans right they started talking about the shoes so one of the things that was funny was was Adidas so you don't even you probably don't even care about shoes but like like I don't I mean I don't care about shoes I did I, back in the day like the the Adidas just always taking these losses just over and over taking these losses with shoes is I mean it's hilarious like Steph Curry wears Under Armour shoes dude like it's, it it, it's it is so funny yeah. And to hear him say, like, oh, I wanted Adidas. I wanted sure. Adidas, yeah. Is, like, can you imagine how much different those two companies would look, like, based on that? Oh, it's just, it's hilarious to me. And then and then Justin Timberlake lying and saying that he used to have to save up to buy Air Jordans when he was, like, like he, like he was a child celebrity. He yes, got whatever he Jordans he wanted whenever he wanted. Uh, I, actually, I actually only own one pair of Jordans, and they are – so ugly. They don't. They don't really. They don't really work on me. I'm not tall enough. It's not a good no. look. No. Some people can pull it off. Some people can't. But yeah. Um, so we get we get into some real basketball, and we get we get the shrug game with with Michael being like, "Look, I, I respect Clyde. I think he's a threat, but which is like that's how he talks about everyone. He's like, yeah, they were good, but and Clyde Drexler, by the way, has the hairline of like." A 57-year-old in those clips. Like, how old was he during that series? That was my thing. This almost sounds made up. Like, nobody in their right mind could have talked about Drexler and, and Jordan on the same, like, nobody could have on the same plane. Like, they were so clearly different players that, like, it almost sounds like Jordan had to manufacture this, like, this this narrative to pump himself up. Like there's no way. Like, I mean, Clyde was like, good, but NBA he wasn't like, this. it looks like Clyde had two seasons where he averaged uh, three seasons where he averaged 25 or more points. One of them was that 91, 92 season where that game took place where during, so during the second run to the finals for, for the bulls. I mean, he was 29, I, I don't know. That I agree. That sounds like that sounds like Michael, you know, just being Michael. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he made that up. Yeah, because I I don't know. Like did like was Clyde Drexler even historically like is he one of the hundred best players ever? 
Uh, I, I don't know. I, like, 100 is quite, quite large. So, I mean, he might be. But, like... I mean, he I, wasn't I, even on... He wasn't even on... The Dream the, He wasn't even on the... Yeah, so he was not even considered one of the... Uh, if you're not considered one of the 11th best players, the only reason people like that series is because of the shrugging. Because that's the only reason why anyone remembers it. And by the way, Magic Johnson, great storyteller, very good storyteller in this documentary. Yeah, that's the thing. There's so many players back then. Like, I, I think of Magic and Michael as just such, like, charismatic guys that, like, anything they do is engaging to watch and just watch and listen to them talk. Where it's like, I don't know, I think that's such a part of their their legacy. It's just when, where when I look at, like, Larry Bird, I'm like, I, I really – don't really want to hear you talk or like even Barkley, you know, where it's like magic and MJ were just so smooth and everything they did. I don't really want to hear Barkley talk because it'll always just be him lying. Right. He just, (laughs) (laughs) because, so this is actually a great moment. The, the last part of episode six is that sun series where the bulls win the finals in six games. And Barkley just goes, you know, I, I don't, I don't mind losing to Michael and you just know every day he wakes up and he just curses Michael Jordan's name. You know he does 100% mind losing to Michael. I, I don't know. There is some like competitive thing where if you put up, what did he put up? 32, 11, and 10 in that game. Like he played the best game he possibly could have. And Michael outdid him with 52, 52, 8, and 6 or something. And he just loses. If you, as a competitor, leave your best on the floor and you still get dominated, I do think there is like there is honor in just going, okay, this is the best to ever play. And Barkley still talks about that. Barkley always has said LeBron is not MJ. MJ is the. So I actually do believe Barkley does. In in viewing his own greatness higher than he does, he also views MJ as just the best. Well, because if MJ is not the best, right? If if MJ is not the best to ever do it, it diminishes that, Barkley. That that diminishes Barkley's accomplishments because he yeah. could never beat him, right? Yeah. So that exactly. was that's that's a pretty big part of it. Um, so the the dream team practices are, yeah, I mean, just amazing. And I thought of all of first of all, MJ seems like. Like, I get why his teammates would not have liked him if that was his attitude during the practices. Like, you ever played pickup basketball with a dude who just – who takes the rebound and then just goes coast to coast? And even if he scores, you're like, great, great, yeah. good, thanks, man. This is really fun to play with you right now. Like, yeah. that's Michael all the time. All the time. And he just doesn't have an off switch. He just sounds like that level of intensity I don't think humans understand, and it's just exhausting. Like, that has to be the worst to put up with day in and day out. And Michael uh, Magic Johnson's recall was amazing because when he was, it's not like he was watching those practices when they were interviewing him and he remembers practices from 30 years ago. He remembered the order of shots that Michael took. He was like, Oh, he made, he made the three from the top of the key. Then he made one from the corner. Then he did the, then he went coast to coast. And I'm like, I'm thinking like, I don't remember what I had for lunch. He pulled a Sean McVay and remembered something like that. And it's like, this is, this is nuts. The, the fact that a hall of famer can remember a practice to this level of detail. And just to think like being around, that was that memorable for one of those guys. I don't know. I thought that was one of the coolest parts of the episode. Uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson complaining that MJ gets all the calls, which by the way, I mean, I don't know, but you have to imagine MJ did just get a ridiculous amount of calls, right? But, 
but when you look at like the the amount of when you looked at Michael's stats, like he would he would have games where the Bulls would shoot like eight free throws the entire game, and and he'd put up fifty points. And I think that's what's different about today versus back then is like there would be like quarters where there'd be two foul shots taken in a game. Like the refs did not blow whistles nearly as much as they do today. So I I don't I don't know. I think the way that we think about Michael. Well, well, let's look this up. Let's look this up. Okay, so per game stats, uh, 1998, so the final Bulls season, how many free throw attempts per game do you think the Bulls took, and how many free throw attempts per game do you think that Michael took? Um, did Michael have – was it double digits to the average 10 a game? No, Mm-mm. which is surprising. He did in two seasons. So the last two Doug's, Doug Collins years, 86, 87, 87, 88, Michael averaged double-digit free throw attempts, and those were the only years he did. Wow. See, that's pretty crazy. I mean, because, I mean, there's been, there's been seasons for LeBron where it was – I mean, in today's day and age, I feel like if you drove as much as Michael drove and not to get free throws, that'd be surprising. So actually this is this is sort of interesting. So 2019-20 or 2019-20, so the season that's on that is postponed right now, the team that takes the most uh free throws per game is the Clippers and the Rockets at a shade over 26. Uh looking back at 1998, there are 11 teams that all well 13 16 teams that all take 26 or more free throw attempts per game because you got, you got to remember there were so many possessions where guys were trying to get into the paint. Like the games were lower scoring then, but no one was taking threes and everyone was always trying to get to the rim because no one could shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know, but the, 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 Michael or uh, Magic at practice being like, oh, the refs, the refs just came here from Chicago. It's like we're playing in Chicago right now. That was really funny. And I guarantee that got under Michael's skin too because that was crediting part of his success to someone else. To someone else. My other favorite moment was the uh, watching the security guards play with Michael before the game. I mean, this man, this, <laughs> this man has such a crippling gambling addiction. No, it's uh, a competition problem. <laughs> It's a competition problem. Well, the, I mean, the, the moment of the documentary that everyone remembers is the security guard, John Wozniak, who's playing the, the flipping quarters game with Michael. Literally, he does the Jordan shrug to him. Yeah. Like, just imagine. Imagine it. Yeah, I, I love watching this with my wife because she doesn't know anything about basketball or sports or anything. And she's just watching this and it's like, so Michael Jordan's just playing with a random security. And I said, yeah, he was that like, driven and and like competitive that he would just play with anybody you know uh and and he just had this desire to beat anybody equally that's why i love like just hearing the stories of he'd go from the back of the bus to the front of the bus play play for thousands of dollars play for a single yeah the the one dollar blackjack hands i want to beat anybody i want to beat the security guard i want to beat the the highest played players in the game i just want to win what did uh what did you think about the coach stuff? I I you know what? I I think a lot of this stuff about MJ is hilarious and um you know I it's like I don't admire the sociopathy but I at least understand where it comes from. I actually thought they just were like just being mean to this dude for no reason. 
No, I get it. I mean, when you're slighted like that by Jerry Krause and like you, 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 he took all of his hatred for Krause out on this guy. And I get it. Like Jordan's competitiveness, it's almost like a disorder, but at least it's consistent. Um, and it makes sense. True. I, I mean, yeah, you, when you can't turn it off, you can't turn it off. So I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't surprised about it. I mean, I, I do think the Kukoc story is, is interesting to just hear about like so many people like that, that we don't, we don't remember that way. And just thinking through like the war torn country of like, and basketball, like how all we think of Tony Kukoc is just basketball and just this like international player, you know? And that he was a second round pick, you know, you keep, you keep looking at all these guys. I mean, we talk about the warriors running hot. I mean, Pippen was the 17th pick, I think. And they acquired Rodman for like nothing, right? Like yeah. he was he was with the Spurs, and it just like the Spurs just didn't want him, so they got him for nothing. They get Kukoc for a second round pick. Uh, Ron Harper was a huge part of those teams, and I'm pretty sure that they acquired him for you know just uh, like a really a really low compensation package because he had gotten injured. Um, I don't know what, where, where did, where do we think Horace Grant was drafted? Who was like, by the way, Horace Grant, a dude who unfairly maligned, it was Phil Jackson who was the source for Jordan rules. Everyone knows this Everyone now knows it too. and it gets, it gets pinned on Horace Grant. who's just like, bro, it was not me. Yeah. Horace Grant. When did, when was he drafted? He was first round 10th pick overall 1987 so a little bit of you know they they sucked right when when mj just used the ball every possession they weren't any good so they were able to draft horace uh they fired doug collins they bring phil jackson in and all of a sudden boom he's got horace grant there who is a guy who you know he's going to be in the hall of fame and played for uh until he was 38 he played for a long time he's really very good player for a long time and that's again I know we talked about it last time we were on, but uh, like all of these things just go to why I think Kraus doesn't get a fair shake. I mean, a lot of what he did wasn't just like put Michael on the court and let him win. It was, there was a lot of moves behind the scene that like, it was, it was not normal to build a team around a two guard and Kraus did it at a time when nobody thought it was possible and Kraus did it. So like, I don't know. I still hate how they like, dunk on it, it, it keeps happening too because every episode every <laughs> i mean every episode michael will just be will just be dunking on him the uh you can't you can't have a cigar you can't have a cigar jerry it'll stunt your growth <laughs> you know what's oh it's even better is that people who are not even involved in the making of this documentary are catching strays. Uh, I, Michael, Michael's on the phone in the car and he's complaining about having to wear the Reebok stuff. And he's like complaining about like, you know, some assistant with us basketball or something, Harry Schiffler. And it's just like, how many people did Michael hate? I mean, how many people does Michael Jordan hate? It's more people than I know probably that I've met in my life. It is. Yeah, for sure. And I love how he just, he'll never let go on these grudges. Like he's going to take this Isaiah thing to the grave, you know, and I just love watching that. Watching I, I met I met all the criteria to be on the team. Isaiah Thomas says, and uh, <laughs> and I you know here's an annoying thing though is Michael doesn't take the credit for it. Michael doesn't say yeah I didn't want to play with him. He just says he says it wasn't me. You know that's lame. Like if you if you if you block the guy out, Michael, you got to take the credit. 
Well, that's where I don't know if it was just Michael then. Like, Michael seems to have enough self-awareness of, like, especially years later, like, if he does something, I feel like he owns up to it nowadays. Like, obviously he didn't, you know, when you watch these social media or when you watch these interviews that would have gone viral on social media if that was around back then after the Atlantic city thing, what are you talking about? I was, I was just out till 1230. Oh, we were, we were, we were back to the hotel by midnight. Here's the thing though. I'm not sure how viral that stuff goes because like Harden and Westbrook and those guys, like they like, well, Harden goes to strip clubs, but like Westbrook plays cards all the time. Like he'll just go, he'll just go out and go play cards at a casino if he feels like it. And that like, I, I, I have like, cousins and stuff who've seen him out and it never it never gets that big well Westbrook is a very different player than like LeBron or Michael Michael's literally the guy that everybody in the world looked up to he was the face of NBA basketball it would be it'd be similar to like the the pressure that Curry or LeBron is under I don't think Westbrook's even how dare you like I get it people from Oklahoma and people from like wherever but like don't compare Westbrook to the to the fame that Mike had. Seinfeld in the locker room. This one's not going to work. That was that was. I mean, if you think about it, when I think about the '90s, I literally think of Jerry Seinfeld and Michael Jordan. Like the like those were probably the two most famous people in the 1990s, right? Like the biggest TV show, and then Michael was like the biggest celebrity, yeah. which is really funny. I wonder if I wonder if they ever like did a show or anything together. That would be very interesting to get those two dudes in a room. I think Oprah did something with them. I feel like I remember that. So the Jordan rules books, it comes out, Horace gets blamed for it. And I mean, I feel, I feel like nothing in that book was even really untrue or that, or that upsetting. Like I feel, I feel like Phil sort of, and you know, I, I guess Horace Grant, if we're, that's what the, the documentary says that it's Horace Grant, but. It wasn't. It wasn't really Horace Grant. I feel like it, it kind of worked. Horace too. It could have been Horace too. It could have been, like, I would say Michael knows enough to know. Like, I'm guessing he said something only to Horace that only Horace could have said that made Michael know it was Horace. I'm sure it was Phil and Horace and other people. It wasn't just one or two sources. Yeah, I mean that's probably that's probably true. So, but Sam Smith, I, I don't know that. I just the whole idea of like making your career off of something like that of like taking down one of the greatest that Chicago was gifted. is just stupid. I just hate how reporters have to do that. I'm team Sam Smith. You get the, you get the story, you write the book. I mean, he probably never even thought like he probably thought when he was writing the book, like oh, I'll write a, I'll write a book about the bulls. I'll get some good inside stuff and it'll sell just because Jordan is popular and I mean, it, you know, it took off, right? Jordan Rules yeah. was a big book for a long time. Yeah. So good for him, you know. I'm sure Michael, I'm sure Michael uh, was really mean to him at games for a long time whenever he saw him. I'm sure, I'm sure Michael did not, did not appreciate any of that. So, no. all right, great, great moment. And this, is, this was a very underrated moment. This was when they were in Barcelona. So you're, you're an Olympian, right? You are the, the highest pinnacle of your sport. You're one of the best in the world. You're one of the 10 best in your country. And you are so good at that sport that you consciously 
are bringing your golf clubs so you can go play another sport for money when you are traveling to go compete for your country in the given sport like that like that was a wild moment to think of like that's how good michael that's how good michael is like he literally doesn't care he's going to go golf right now no care guys a go he does what he does all of them uh, all of them drinking miller lights at the <laughs> at the, at the uh, end at, of the game at the end of the game and then michael saying oh when i was a rookie we used to smoke cigarettes at halftime <laughs> It's that just, would uh that would lead me to believe maybe LeBron could have been a little bit more competitive back then. Yeah, I mean, when you hear of like, I mean, Michael was literally joking and saying, "Oh, they would go through cases of beer at halftime." You know, I mean, I I just wonder what NBA locker rooms look like. I, just, I mean, I'm sure it was a lot like what football locker room like. Yeah, there there was a lot of money back then, but it was kind of like a blue collar job to be a professional athlete. Like it was like a labor intensive job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you were, you were doing physical labor as a professional athlete. Like it, it wasn't, it was not at all like it was set up today. Yeah, for sure. Did you, I loved hearing the Jordan shoe like bleeding and him not wanting to take his shoes off at halftime. It's like, I'm having a great game. I can't take it off. <laughs> can't take it off. I, I think one of the things that made, Michael such a success was he like realized the symbolism and stuff like that like yeah. he real like he realized like oh this will be a great story for me to tell someday of me playing my last game in MSG and wearing my first shoe ever which by the way like Jordans are not even that comfortable of shoes anyway so tough scene yeah, yeah. He's a marketing genius him him owning Patrick Ewing after that game <laughs> like like Ewing being like Dude, don't even start with me. I mean, how much did the Knicks hate him? How much did every player on the Knicks absolutely hate that guy? I mean, how many people hated him overall? I mean, you had the Celtics, you had the Pistons, you had the you had the Knicks. I mean, every every good player just hated him. Uh, I gotta say though, that uh, that play where the Knicks could have beaten the Bulls in that series. I mean, the Charles. Charles Stop. Smith got fouled like 900 times on that play, roughly. But that's what I'm saying. Like, they didn't call fouls back then. That's why, I, like, I, how many videos have you seen of, of MJ just getting destroyed in the paint and no foul, you know? Where today, I feel like all those would be would be in ones, you know? I mean, yeah, anytime you go over someone's back for anything, blocking, rebounding, it doesn't matter. Like, that's a whistle. That's a yeah. foul. Yeah. I mean, so granted, I think LeBron would own all of these guys because he was like as big as a center was back then. I actually, I'll give, I'll give the Curry haters something, which is that I think Curry would have been, Curry would have been playing John Paxson's role in, 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 in 1990. You know what I mean? Cause he just was not big enough and strong enough to do this. Like no. maybe you get called for a ton of fouls, but like they're going to keep fouling you. Yeah, and there's just the way the game was played, it wouldn't have worked. Like, he would have been the John Paxson, like, all year waiting for getting the ball that one time when nobody's on you to hit that one shot. And John Paxson, you know, you, you're a, he, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. He, he bought himself, what, good 15 years of goodwill with Bulls fans, and it's all evaporated it's all now. Gone. It's all gone. He's well, isn't he there. replaced now? Isn't he not with the team? Or Gar Gar is gone now. So Gar is gone, but Gar Pax are one in the same. And Paxson has done everything he can to try to separate 
him from Gar, but Gar's gone, and now Pax is still around as like a special advisor or whatever. And he claims he'll leave as soon as he's asked, but Pax needs to be gone as well. He's still around, just not in an official. It's dumb. Sad, sad state. Sad state for the Bulls. The Bulls. I mean, since early night. I mean, the Bulls have just done everything wrong since the you know mid nineties to. I mean, it's been twenty years of just terrible decision making as an organization. Well, they got unlucky when their young MVP player uh, ruined, like was not healthy. Right, ruined his knees. Well, I mean, Jay Williams was a Jay Williams was the early. What was that? When did the Jay Williams accident happen? Uh, like, I feel like I know the answer to that. I don't know though. Oh no, yeah, the Jay Williams thing was obviously some bad luck. Obviously, the D Rose thing was some bad luck, but they've they've also made some terrible decisions. So, well, didn't they trade multiple top ten picks for Ty Tyus Thomas? Yes, uh, including then, one of them that was Lamarcus Aldridge, right? Yes, and then we gave up for Doug McDermott. I mean, we gave up, like, who was – it was Gary Har- – the picks that became Gary Harris and um, uh, your, uh no, not Jokic. Who was it? Nurkic. Nurkic. No, they, they also gave up the pick that became Jokic, the second-round pick that no, became I Jokic. Was, I think it was Harris and, uh, and Nurkic, I think, were the two picks that we gave up to get McDermott. Yeah, I mean, we just made some terrible, terrible decisions. Dougie McBuckets. Yeah, it's been terrible. He was Pax. That was Paxson. That was Paxson through and through. Paxson loved McDermott. I mean, McDermott was just a John Paxson-ass style player for sure. Yeah, it was just terrible. just terrible. So the thing that everyone wants to talk about from the documentaries is the gambling. So we get we get a little bit of it. We get not a ton of it because there is there is more to the Jordan gambling stuff than what we got last night, and there's more they can come back to. So what we get that we get the security guard stuff, which was hilarious big high point of the documentary we get the we get a little bit of the golfing and a little bit of the um uh, just you know the the homicidal competitiveness but the the interviews when people realized that michael jordan was a gambling addict were hilarious because he's so standoffish and you can tell he doesn't want to talk about it at all the interview in the the glasses with amad rashad (laughs) so good so good which, by the way, imagine being a reporter. Like, it's your job to report on the NBA, and Michael comes to you and is like, hey, dude, do you want to do an interview real quick about my gambling addiction? It's like, you, like that's like a, a career-defining moment for Ahmad Rashad. I'm only going to do it with you. You're the only one in the media I want to talk to, but I'm not going to take my sunglasses off. I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competition problem with my love, sunglasses on. And I love what he was stating. of like, I would lose my house. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have my kids. I wouldn't have... You know, and it's like, dude, you are so in like that is like you are richer than God. Yeah, that is not something a healthy person who doesn't have a problem. So everything he says is the exact like if you wrote a script of like, I mean, gambling problem. He literally said, "I could stop anytime I want." <laughs> he went on national TV. This probably aired on NBC. Probably twelve million people watched this interview, and he goes. I can stop anytime I want. It's just, it's a hobby. It's a hobby. Do you think if MJ was around in today that like, wouldn't work, man. His team would find him a way out. 
the the like, Adam Sil- Adam Silver or the team. And I think the far more likely scenario is that if Michael Jordan was born in 1992, he would never make his way to basketball because he would just be uh, like playing online poker or addicted to FanDuel. Yeah, gambling would have ruined him. I I mean it is so a disappointing thing is that you know Michael Jordan clearly has a huge hand in producing this documentary so we don't really get like who introduced Michael to golf who introduced Mike to cards who was the first game that Mike played like did Mike ever lose a bunch of money playing cards when he was a rookie and didn't have very much money because we we get like oh here's the here's the kid at uh, University of North Carolina who's like doing his own laundry and then we get Michael drinking cognac and smoking a cigar and being like yeah, I hate Isaiah Thomas. Like we don't, we don't, we didn't get a ton of the transition of Michael from like normal kid to most popular athlete on earth. Yeah, and we also got like Michael's version of that whole um, uh, yeah. court case, which was like, I, I I don't know if we'll ever know the truth about that, but like I don't believe the Michael side of that story for sure. There's more to that, uh, you know, to that than than we know of. So hearing all, all of it just from Jordan's perspective isn't a super fair way to uh, take that in for sure. And this guy, uh, this guy, Slim, Slim Buehler, uh, if this was, <laughs> let me tell you, if it came out, if it came out that, uh, that LeBron or Durant owed like half a million dollars to a guy who later was uh, arrested on like drug trafficking charges, that would be, uh, that would be a bigger story than it was back then, I think. Like, it would have been it would have been massive. Yeah, I mean, he literally, what did he, it was claimed that it was a $1.25 million debt that Jordan settled for, like, $300,000. I mean, there was actually $300,000 that transferred hands from Jordan to this, to this, like, convict. And it was probably all in cash. Yeah. That's just, yeah, that's crazy. Do we do we think like what do we what do we think Jordan like how good at golf was he do we think? I have no idea what I mean. I guess you don't. Yeah, you don't golf yeah, really. Huh? I don't golf, but I have no idea what his part. So what would you, you say? So I I I asked this question on Twitter, and someone sent me his handicap card from 2013 from the official USGA. And no, we don't. We don't like. I want to know in like the nineties when he was. Well, really, one one point nine was his handicap index in twenty thirteen after he had retired and was no longer like probably he like Michael Jordan probably has not lifted a weight since he retired. Basketball would be my guess, right? Just doesn't seems like he would rather drink and gamble. Looking at those interviews, I would agree. So that basically means that he was a top. 0.01% 0.01% golfer in the world after he had stopped training and caring about being in shape. So I would imagine he had to have been pretty close to a scratch golfer, which is like he could go on a PGA course and, and maybe shoot like four over for two days, right? Like, like good enough to be like, he could go play with a pro golfer and not embarrass himself basically which is absurd to be that good at another sport while, while also, you know, being the best in the world at another sport. The fact that he was able to go play baseball, uh, like even though it was only double A, it's still. Like, well, he was not good at baseball. 
Yeah, but I mean, even Double A, if you can get like his walk rate, I mean, everything he did in baseball is still insane to me that he was able to just leave and go do that. I mean, even being able, even even being able to go and play Double A after, I mean, Michael probably had not played baseball in 20 years i don't know like probably since he was in high school even though he wasn't good from like a major league standpoint in baseball double a is still like the top 0.0001 percent of of athletes in the world who dedicated their life to play baseball and michael was able to do that in his spare time after he retired and and still was able to like perform like that's insane to me yeah i think the the guy that i like the most the biggest winner of these documentaries for me is pippin just everything pippin says everything he does i'm just like this guy's really got it all figured out i i like scotty pippin there's got to be another side to the pippin thing though that we just don't hear about because like he he wasn't like loved by i mean he right now he's not a part of the bulls anymore he wanted to be a part of the bulls he came on as an advisor now he's out again. He he hasn't really found like great footing in the NBA like afterwards, even though he seems like he's he'd be like the perennial teammate, the perfect guy, just soft spoken. So what Well, I mean, you know, he what is it went, about Pippen that isn't like because he should be like one of the top celebrated I mean, he's a top fifty player of all time. I mean, you know, he's from a small town in Arkansas, what went to a what a double A, like a like a D two school. Yeah, it wasn't even NCAA. Like probably that's the highest level of education he ever got. Like I don't know, he like he speaks a different language than than front office guys do. You know what I mean? Like it just he's a different person, has different life experiences and stuff than a lot of those people, and that's like that's just that's a hard bridge to gap for people. I think. Yeah. Do you think the documentary is going to explore any of the gambling conspiracies with the, with his first retirement? No, because I mean, one, it's been basically like debunked. Um, but Michael's in charge. Like Michael is, is letting, like we are, we are six episodes in and Michael's children have not been mentioned yet. (laughs) Michael, Michael during all of this had a, like was married and had, two children marcus and jeffrey i believe with his and and michael jordan jr i believe all with his first wife and uh these uh these kids are not in this documentary not at all so yeah i mean because that's not what you know michael is like a great athlete and a funny guy but he's not a good person (laughs) you know and i even think the political side of things that came out yesterday was a little like I was. Surprised. I mean, LeBron. LeBron would never, dude. Republicans don't buy shoes. Like Republicans buy shoes, buy shoes too. Is like that is the biggest cowardly. I mean, that's just cowardly shit to me. Sam Smith said it was a joke, and I get. Like, I do think that at that time, athletes weren't political spokesperson. Like, yeah, other than Muhammad Ali, today. really, probably. Yeah. So, like, athletes weren't the same. They weren't under the same pressure that we, they are today. So. I get like Michael want, Michael saying something like that in jest, but like, yeah, the political pressure that these guys are under and just like the life pressure came through a little bit yesterday, which I think was good. But and yeah, I mean, I was, good. I mean, good on, good on him for at least addressing it in this, you know, I, I, I kind of thought that, without Michael producing it though. It'd be a lot different. I think, yeah, I think it'd be a lot different. I think, I think there'd be a lot more people who had um, less kind things to say, probably. That's what I want to see. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, but it was never, we were never going to get what we really wanted, which was Michael talking about all, you know, this 20, 30 year old stuff with, without his say so. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Really private person. I think that's the uh, that's yeah. the weird thing that comes out for like such an athlete who who wanted so much fame, got it, and then yeah, he's he's actually a very private guy. Well, he. I mean the the thing the thing that he wanted was money, right? Like he's a guy who really enjoyed making his money. So yeah. I think he viewed he viewed fame as like a byproduct of that, basically. So I don't know. I, I, someone, I did see someone say something interesting, which was that uh, we can, we can complain about how Michael has had a hand in all of this stuff. Um, but I mean, imagine how much LeBron is going to be manicuring absolutely everything. Cause eventually there will be a LeBron documentary that gets made similar to this where it's, you know, we go back to his rookie year and all the guys he played with and everyone is interviewed and, you know, all his head coaches and Dan Gilbert and so on and so forth. And Except I mean, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be a documentary that I want to watch. Like it's going to yeah. be, I don't know. No, it's going to be like a YouTube video basically. Yeah. Like it's not going to, it's not going to be anything that is it's interesting. It's going to be like that barbershop thing where we hear LeBron, like all these deep political conversation or society. And just like, I, I mean, those overproduced, like, this is yeah, it's gonna. That's a good word for it. It is just. It's gonna be. It's gonna be mega, mega overproduced. That's yeah. that's a good way to view it. Yeah. And LeBron wants himself to be a thought leader, like a society, like this super deep thinker. And I, I mean, I'm sure he is, but at the same time, like he also is very controlling of the face that he puts out into the public. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen him have to take. Like, a, I guess, a, I guess a fair point was, I mean, LeBron would never say something as lame as Republicans buy sneakers too. He would never say something that lame, but he has had to at times say things. And then clearly the NBA has been like, you got to walk that back because with the, with the China thing, he was like, Oh, I I spoke at a turn, which is like, I mean, yeah, you probably did, but it's worse. I think it's worse to say the thing and back it up. It is because it shows that your words don't match with like your your values, and and it allows yeah. just people to not trust you. So, but I mean that guy Jesse Helms, dude, what a piece of shit, right? Yeah, like I I can't believe I mean I can't believe even as a even as an apolitical person I can't believe that that I mean the thing is is Jordan probably just didn't even know like he probably like literally had never heard of that guy ever, and I imagine if someone would have been like oh this is what this dude is about. Like Michael's mom was like, "Look, you gotta, you gotta do something because this is not right." And I, you know, Michael donated to his campaign. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, no. I'm, I'm sure Michael was unaware. Yeah. Well, uh, episodes uh, seven and eight promise to be pretty good. I think it seems like it seems like things are get like it's just going to be very interesting to hear him. I've never heard Michael talk about the retirement before. Yeah, you know, guy made Space Jam. I guess we're we're gonna get some good space. We might get we might get some good um, like behind the scenes Space Jam stuff. Yeah, you're right. So that would be cool. But uh, yeah, should be should be good. I hope we get more gambling stuff. That would that would be. Um, I feel like this my was request. the gambling episode, though. I feel like that was it. That's all we're gonna get. I feel like that's it. No more. What a bummer. 
Um, all right. Well, yeah, that's going to that's gonna do it for this episode of the Last Dance Recap. Hope you guys are enjoying it. It's, uh, it's very nice to be able to watch something that everyone else is also watching on Sunday night. Nice little replacement for the for the TNT games or whatever. And uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll be back later this week with more content and next week with uh, another recap. Build digital first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.